How you guys doing? Welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank at Sniper's Hide here. And we're coming to you live, or not so much so live, but we're here. Had a good weekend. Uh, weather's changing. I don't know about you guys and stuff. Um, when out, Manor sent the, um, it's actually, if you go to Manor Stocks, okay, I'm just going to jump right into it. Uh, well, yeah, I don't know. I had a story and I don't remember it. <laughs> go figure, right? I, I wasn't thinking about it. I was looking at the calendar and I'm like, God dang, I got to do a podcast, man. I should have did one yesterday and I didn't. I was editing video and stuff and that's kind of what I want to talk about. Um, so SHOT Show just happened, you know, the, that whole thing. And um, so there, there's the Gap Production Rifle and then Manners has the PRS uh, TCS, the Tunable Competition Stock, right? And so they shipped it out to me about a week or so ago, and I got it. And it's in 6GT, Gap Action, Templar, uh, Bartland Barrel 26, uh, Heavier Contour, uh, Brake, APA Brake, four-port Brake on this guy, and then the Manners Tunable Stock with the weight system and, and all that. So I get it. I go out, and, and I got Copper Creek 6GT loaded with uh, A-tips, and, you know, I'm going to give it a try. This is this is a Manners carbon fiber PRS-type stock that comes in at 20 pounds, right? It's 19.9 uh, with everything. Scope included. I yanked the scope off. I put a video up so you guys can go look at it. But I I'm shooting this thing, and it's just, like, amazing, how it just doesn't move because I mean, think about this. We got a six millimeter with a hundred and ten grain bullet, and you got a four port APA break, but not just the side ports, he's got top ports too, right? So they got little bitty top ports, which is it's a good break, man. It's smart. And heavy, long ass 26 inch barrel. So now you use this manner stock and you want to balance it back. Think about it. If I go 26 inches with a heavy contour, not a straight taper, but pretty dang close to a straight taper. If I'm going um, and doing it that way and then I go and put a fiberglass, yeah, fiberglass, but a carbon fiber stock, it's going to be out of balance. So with Manor's tunable weight system with the steel weights in the area of 419 uh, Arca Rail weight system, the, the whole, you know, I, I'm like, it, it sort of hit me light bulb. I mean, we all know the heavier it is, the better it's going to be. And, and you know, it's, it kind of goes into this bench rest. But they're in a rest. It's F class. They're in a rest. We're not really shooting off a rest, although the bags and everything. We want this center of gravity to be as low in that stock as we can. And then we get that weight going and we try to get all that recoil in a straight line. And so everything, you know, we bring the back up. We get everything to recoil towards you, but it's not moving. I mean, it's a six millimeter and a 20 pound rifle. And on top of that, it's about a four to eight ounce trigger. I got the trigger kit. I should check it. I will for the next video. So it's like really touchy. And if you watch the video, man, I worked really hard ahead of time to make sure I wasn't flicking that trigger and tapping it and being silly with it. And so it's it's like 
I'm shooting this thing and I'm on the bag and I'm watching the videos and, and editing it and, and putting it all together. And I'm like, God damn, man, you know, it, it, it kind of translates to the King of Two Miles stuff. Like, where should that weight to recoil be? I'm actually need to go get the recoil numbers for that six millimeter, 110 grain bullet at X velocity and figure out what the recoil numbers are going to look like. Then I can turn around and try to apply that to the bigger rifles. Now, I get it that they want the, like, David Tubb um, has the uh, the light gun challenge and things like that. And and what it comes down to is it, it is a fundamental thing. What I'm finding with this 6GT at 20 pounds in this particular setup, it really does shoot itself. Now... There's a there's a point in the video, I'm on the barricade, I'm shooting from the kneeling, and I'm talking about the trigger. And I only have like one one hand on the rifle. I'm talking to you while I'm shooting it. And my group at 600 yards was like th- th- two to three inches. You know, three shot group. I'm I'm talking. I don't. I mean, in video, you can't do five. It takes too long. You know, so I do three shots on video. If I'm just me, I'm not gonna do three. I do five. But for me and video and expediency, our, our attention spans are short. I I don't know how people get away with thirty minute videos and that. If I'm over five, I'm like freaking out. You you know. Um. So that's that's one of those things that that happens. But um. You know, I got like one hand hanging out to the side, not even like a hand on the scope and a hand on the rifle or a hand on the, I'm like just hanging out. And it's like a three inch group and the rifle's not moving. On the tripod, I shot like a three inch group from the standing. These rifles literally do shoot themselves and it really comes down to how efficient you are getting in and out because it's a non-issue. I mean, we harp on the fundamentals. You got Fundamental Frank here. And if you're an online training member, I just put a fundamental video up and I'm going to talk about this in a minute. But it's it's completely like eliminating the shooter out of the equation. I mean, it, yeah, you can see why guys with a 308 are going to struggle. You can see why... The guys with a, even a 6.5 Creed and a, and a Teak Attack A1 are going to struggle. I, I mean, having these, it, to me, it's an unsafe thing, um, you know, but having these triggers that light, it, it you know, I've shot, I've shot down to two ounce. I've had two classes that I've done in the last year where I've run into two ounce triggers. One guy showed up with a trigger that was like a round little stem. And it was at two ounces. It was some kind of Gucci F-class thing where it was just like a little, almost looked like the thicker, god dang, um, like a paperclip piece broken off. Like if you straightened a, a thick paperclip, it really just looked like that. And um, it didn't have a shoe. It just had a, a little round stem that was only a little bit bigger than a heavy paperclip. And so that was two ounces. And then I shot one with the Insight guys up in Alaska. That was two ounces. And it's tricky to get used to, but kind of running this gap, 
I can see where you will get used to it. I don't think it's good for some people, but you know, I think you need to work into it. I think my trigger control, I mean, watch the videos and look at my trigger control and then go to any other PRS video with guys shooting these same things and see if it looks the same. Okay. It's really the point of human contact. It's that influence we're putting into the system. It's everything, you know, but if you can kind of just let the rifle lay there and just melt into a bag or just sit on a tripod that's at 20 pounds and then just kind of come in, steer it, and then tap it with those triggers, there is no shooter influence. You could totally see how it excels in the F-class, or not F-class, but PRS-type events. The only factor is safety, which you know we know is an issue, and then when and how you close the bolt and come to it. But if you're a trigger tapper at, at four ounces, does it really matter? No. So what is this weight to rifle caliber recoil offset that brings you to that point? Where is the balance? Okay, balance. This is uh, let's talk about balance. That's a good way to because. We're balancing the rifle with the tunable stock, okay? We're balancing the recoil with a four-port break. Uh, it's actually an eight-port break. No. Yeah, I guess you can call four ports down the side, right? And then two rows on the top of four. It's, 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 it's a lot of break, right? And then weight of the barrel and length of the barrel, so that's balancing off that sort of accuracy side of it in the recoil management part of it. Then you get the tune in the rifle weight system to balance the, the, the system to, to float in the middle. So you want to balance it so you're, you're putting the center of gravity, the, the center point of this rifle system, right in front of the magwell. That's another balance. Okay, so we got an accuracy in caliber with speed, recoil, all these different things. Then you got the stock, which tunes it back to the middle, balances it square again. Then we take this trigger down to, I don't want to say balance the shooter, but to minimize the shooter to the nth degree, like crazy nth degree. Yeah, I don't know what that was. That was like some monster or something. That was crazy. I got to change that one. But anyway, so we're going to balance the shoot, right? So we're taking the shooter out and eliminating it. The shooter's just there to steer the rifle at that point and then let it do all the work. Uh, um, I, I encourage you to go to YouTube, watch that Manners video. It might be on Facebook. It's on Sniper's Hide. It's all over the place. Got it. Got almost 4,000 views in 18 hours. So it, it's it's people are watching it. And um, it's it really does kind of like open your eyes to what a, a comp rifle can do because I've always I've always kind of fought it. Now, don't get me wrong; I have like the I I have this is this is kind of funny because when I jumped back into shooting PRS and that first time down there with K and M and making nice with everybody, and then I shot the Gap team rifle. Okay, so I I got two bookends of Example, so I go to k and I've had an 18-month layoff from shooting competition. Um, I was teaching. I was working at Rifles Only. I left. This is like 2012. 
I left rifles only. And George is like, hey, man, you're not teaching at rifles only anymore. Come shoot the comp at K&M. We'll build you a gap team gun. And at the time, the way there was a bigger balance in movement in 12. So we, we, we scrambled a little bit more than they do today. And they made me a 10.7 pound gun with a Schmidt and Bender on it. Okay, I had a six millimeter gap gain twist, the whole thing. It's the it's that six Bravo Delta. Um, you know, it was the it was the six millimeter Bartlin Defiance. So six Bravo Delta. But it's 10 pounds, 11 pounds with scope, 11 pounds with a scope. And to me, that allowed, I moved faster than I ever did. I came in 11th in that match. 18-month layoff, I ended up in 11th. I put a lot of that on that rifle, okay? Because for me, I needed the balance of a rifle for light for me to move around with it and to scramble, you know, at the time, they had a lot of, like, the run up to 25 yards up the tower, the little mini tower, shoot the event there. You had, I think they had the grind it out stage, too, where you had to go and do that, like, five, six-minute stage where you ran through the woods. There was stuff going on there, and then you came out, and then up a tower around. It was, it was multiple stuff, but you had to move almost like, a third run of the entire K&M, Core, Altus, whatever you want to call it. So it was a grinded out stage, they called it. Well, then, now it's all this positional and it's less movement, but it's, it's less support for the rifle. So now they go to 20 pounds. And I'm like one hand in this damn thing and shooting fucking lights out groups. I'm like, God damn, man, you know, now how do I move with that rifle though? Cause that's going to be the key for me is movement, right? Cause it's, it's unwielding in a way for me, especially my shoulder. I'm, I'm beat man. I'm beat up. I, I'm not what I used to be. You know, my eyes are getting shot. I got friggin' hearing aids, you know, I'm wearing, you know, glasses with multiple, like, you know, bifocals and length and astigmatism and a left eye dominant. You know, then I got shoulder and neck issues. I'm broken, man. It's a lot of years I, I, I push myself to compete with guys twice as big as me and to, and to trend with them, so I have to push myself harder. So I feel it now. And that, that takes a competitive sort of nature out of me. But if I can create that same balance and find a happy middle ground for me, maybe it's 18 pounds, maybe it's 16 pounds, but then the trigger, I don't like it, but I see it. I see it, man. It's like, ugh, I hate it. And it took me, it, it, it probably took me two mags to get used to it, you know, and that's a guy with better than average trigger control. It, it took me two mags to, to, to not want to go, oh, shit, or to understand right where and how I can go to this trigger when I need to break it. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm like, well, man, I, you know, it, it has to make sense because they're doing they're excelling in PRS with them. You know what I mean? So it has to work. It, it, it's not. It's just my head. I want to wrap my head, and I want to say this correctly. 
where's the balance? This again, this this episode's all about balance, man. Where do we find the balance between the trigger weight, the rifle weight, and the caliber weight? Where is that balance? That I think would translate to not only, well, the F class is already dealing with that. They're flat bottoms. Their their rest has a little bit more to do with it. And but it, it's 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 kind of a crazy. Hmm. I don't know. I'm 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 really kind of got my head into this game right now uh, with this rifle. That's letting me explore something, and I think it's going to open a door to, to a middle ground. I think it's going to open a door to a balance. I I I wanna. I I here's here's something I've talked to. I talked with Logan when he was there. Logan's not used to be. He was a Gap armorer, uh, gunsmith. Then he worked for Mile High. Now I think he's at Trinity working at the school. I saw him at Shot Show, but I I thought he settled down at Trinity. But anyway, I talked to Logan about like playing with barrel and it almost wants to almost like like a milk bottle, like a um a a, a, a sharper transition. So I want to go a little further past the chamber. I want to go to a certain place on that with almost a straight taper. And then I want to bring it down near the end a little smaller to try to get that balance better for me you know so I'm thinking like this is kind of where I believe custom gunsmithing should be going okay because we have prefits we have uh you know barreled actions chassis that you drop in so where do we go now with a custom gunsmith in I think it should become figuring out the balance of how do we make a barrel heavier to sort of combat heat a little bit better. Weight and length, right? Because I don't always want 26 and make something. If I can balance and get the same results out of 24, losing just the two inches, might it might work for me or even the 28s and things that guys are doing. You know, I need to be able to do it with 22 and 24 inches, what they're doing with 26 and 28. And I think that's going to require like a funky barrel taper. And and it's it's got my mind going. Like, let's come out thick. Like, if you look at this gap contour, it, it's it, it kind of has a little bit of a funky look to it. It's not quite as 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 uniform I want to say is a word is uniform as barrels generally look this one sort of has like taper taper and then down and I think that might be the key is come kind of straight taper taper and done and this is something I was talking with like I I talked with a couple people but I, I you know I think there might be something with John Baker's like transitional fluting. All right. So 
barrel harmonics, right? If you're super long, super heavy, you got nodes and you got this and your barrel harmonics and you've got heavier weight because you're dampening that a little bit. What if we can dampen in harmonic and do things by using a, a flute? So if I take like a taper, a, a one, two, five at the shank there and I'm coming down and I flute it up a little bit, and then where the taper goes and I want to bring it down a step, I transitionally flute it to a different style flute. Then I'm going to go down and I'm going to transition it again to another style flute ending on those micro fine flutes like John Baker's doing. Okay, so basically my flute's going to be running one direction, then it's going to change direction and then they're going to be in line and they're just going to be basically you're taking the, the lathe and you're running it down and you're just making sort of these micro fine, uh, almost like threaded the rest of the barrel. So there's a there's a texture to it. You know, it, it's it's this micro flute, but it's around and not lengthwise. So if you can combine these elements for for the, the the rapid stages without heating up the barrel. Like, I think this is where the Valkyrie ex excels because the Valkyrie doesn't get hot. So you can kind of get away with barrels a little bit different than a 6.5 Creed because the Valkyrie doesn't get anywhere near as hot as a 6.5 Creed. So if I can do something similar to keep that down and I should be able to and even go a little longer on a barrel on a Valkyrie maybe I think 24 is plenty um 22 is kind of optimal 24 would be plenty but then do this sort of heavier but transitional fluting and then balance the system up and then yeah it just seems like it for a comp rifle you're, you're almost got I still think 12 to 16 pounds or ounces will work on a trigger but it's a balance right and in this this eight to four, whatever it happens to be, but it's super light, ha, you know, needs to be looked at. And so I, I want to put it out there. Go on the Podbean app. Tell me, say, where are you balancing? What's going on here? Where do you guys think? So if we got 20 pounds for a six millimeter and that's, it, that's just sinking that. Now, maybe, like I said, maybe I could bring that to 16 pounds and get the same effect. Right, but let's just go twenty with a six millimeter. You know, does that mean you're gonna go forty with a three seven five, or do you need sixty? That becomes the question. You know, that's where you got to start crunching the numbers. And somebody probably with a little more free time and brain power needs to crunch the recoil numbers to figure out where the six millimeter at a one ten grain balances with a twenty pound gun versus something like a 375 in the four to 500 grain range and what bullet so if if okay so four times so this would say it would need like an 80 pound gun to get the same results so if you basically sunk a 375 and made it almost 80 80 pounds through uh um uh, you're, you're, um, I just got text bing. Everything's loud. Um, so if you wanted to get almost the same recoil dampening effects out of your big gun, it would almost have to be 80 pounds is what I'm thinking. 
you know, and I know they want to be under 50 and all that and make it practical, but I think to accomplish the same damn thing, you'd have to be close to 80, right? Do the math. Somebody crunch it for me. If a 110 bullet is 20 pounds, a 500 grain bullet, you know, do we go to 80 or is it 100? I don't know, man. I, I, oh, ah, does it matter on the break? Maybe that might be the factor. But it's interesting because you do see the same problems like in my video. All right. So I'm going to I'm going to kind of bring this back around into a final point from me observing King of Two Mile. So I go to King of Two Miles on video. I'm watching. I'm fi- I'm filming stuff. And I did this fundamental eval with a local guy, Jeff, here um, in and he's shooting a Tika attack a one. And I'm doing that. If you watch that video and it's uh, if you're in the online training, Watch how much he fights that movement of the gun and his bipod's loose and he's sort of back and forth and back and forth. And look how much fidget and movement that goes on versus when I kind of straighten them out. And the weight on these rifles helps dampen that movement because that center of gravity is, is kind of pulling all of it down. So it's, 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 it's like a judo thing, right? You can squat... And, and you can kind of like if somebody goes to throw me over their shoulder, there's kind of a little dump my ass down and it makes it so much harder for you to get me up and over your shoulder. You know, it's even as small as I am, I can still make it difficult. So I see the rifles doing the same thing in in sort of like, you know, man has brought that stock line down. The recoils coming up. He brought the, the, the butt pad up. So that recoil's in more of a straight line. The muzzle is making it so the front end is not going to come up at all. And it's just going to just slide really mellow because the rifle has its ass on the ground. It's sitting down. And that might be a way to translate into the sort of an accuracy side of this King of Two Mile because they do fidget a lot. They're moving. They're trying to break this or brace it. Balancing up. Now, the flat bottoms help. The rests help. All these different ways of managing and getting recoil in a straight line. Your brakes are going to help. But the weight to trigger clearly has a benefit. You know? And, 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 and I don't know because we want, it, we want that gun to recoil straight. We want it to do the same thing every single time. And by eliminating you as much as you can, there is no outside influence. So it's gonna do the it's gonna do as much the same as your load is gonna let it. Cause you're minimizing your influence. So really the only variation in that recoil pulse will come from the load. Uh your, your caliber load, the cartridge. So your SD really. So if you got a single digit number, if you're like running at a five SD, even a four, well, that, that, that means when you drop that rifle on a bag and you come to this four ounce trigger, it's just going to do the same thing every time. Now, if you had an SD of 20, well, now you're got, your, 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 your vertical is going to be there. You're going to see the recoil is going to come back so far. It's going to come back not quite as far. It's going to come back so far. It's going to come back a little different. And you're going to see a variation. 
right? Ah, interesting, man. I, I just... I, I You know, it's funny because you get out of the game to any degree, and when you go back to the game... You, you're not. I'm not shooting those comp rifles like I used to. I see them. I understand them. 26-pound gun, 20-pound gun, this kind of gun. You see them, and you look at it, and you're going, yeah, I get it. It's just a big, heavy gun. But then when you kind of shoot it to any degree that I've gotten quite a bit of rounds through it now, it, it sort of goes, ah, okay. Like I said, I don't like it. I don't think it's practical. I think it works for that game. But I wouldn't want to take it to the field. I wouldn't want a, 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 a rifle. However, that's where the balance comes in. That's where we want to go and find the right middle ground for what you're doing. It, 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 yeah, it's going to take somebody like me with this equipment to do a trial and error where I'm not spending my money. I'm working with somebody else's. So you're not spending your money three times. Right? We only want to do this once. Somebody were trying to troll me again. And I get trolled every day on uh, YouTube over the video. Well, what is it? Is it practice or is it the gear? Well, it's clearly a bit of both if you're going to be in a competitive setting. NASCAR will tell you that. Guys had a great race this weekend. Everything's good, man. You guys, Joey Logano, hometown boy, right? Hey, Connecticut, friggin' Paisan from Connecticut. So... It's like clearly a team with more money does better than the teams that don't. Although Matty D. Benedetto is doing really good with Wood Brothers, man. That dude's rocking it. Um, you know, so he's maintaining. He's staying in the top 10. He's knocking on the door to the top five. So this is that percentage that people don't quite understand. Do you want to be a top 10, top five guy? Well, then, yes, you got to go in this direction. Do you want to be a top 25 guy? Well, maybe you can play the balance a little bit more. But if you're not interested in being a top 20, well, then you run with your brung and you learn it. However, the video wasn't buy this shit because it works. The video was this is what they're using. This is why they're using it. This is why these elements work for what they're doing. If you want to do the same thing and be as successful as them, well, you should consider this. On top of the practice that they do, I'm never ignoring the fact that these guys that are winning are shooting probably 50 rounds every other day. So Somebody told me one of the guys who just won shoots every other day 50 rounds. There you go. It's, it's the effort, but he has good shit. He's not chasing it, but my problem, my point with the thing is if you're shooting a dasher, you know, is it worth upgrading to a 6GT? Well, for the feed issues and the loading issues and the brass issues, maybe it is. But from a caliber standpoint, what are you really gaining by buying a whole new rifle system just to change from 6GT to 6Dasher? You know, you made the decision to get the dasher. Now you go, oh, no, wait a minute, latest and greatest, and then you jump into that. That's not going to fundamentally change anything unless you're seeing a bigger issue with your 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 rifle not feeding correctly and jamming or something, or, or you're just like, hey, man, I'm tired of chasing the dasher money. But then that's a personal choice on your side. But are you really gaining anything? Eh, not so much. You know, but if you're currently a 308 guy, 
and you say, hey, I want to start taking PRS competitions a little more seriously. They got a local match that started up close to me. It's less than an hour right away. What do I got to do? Well, this is what's going to make you competitive. That's the point of the video. It's like, this is what's going to help you be in that top tier as long as you do your part. Because if you show up with your 308 and you do your part, it's still going to take a lot of work on your part to beat all these other guys. Just the nature of the game, the nature of the caliber, the nature of the wind drift and all that other stuff, right? The elevation and wind is not in your favor. But that doesn't mean if you're just like, hey, I'm only shooting two matches a year. I'm doing it to validate my training. I want to see and I want to be exposed to the different elements that I'm not exposed to when I'm by myself. Well, yeah, then you go to competitions, you go validate your training, you use your 308, and you walk away, and then you you self-analyze. Because you know you're not in a series run, you're not trying to compete, you're not trying to get to a finale. But if you show up and you want to get to a finale, this is what it's going to take. I, I, I really, I don't know, man, I'm really kind of, um, I, I'm, I'm thinking about this balance. And we know we've seen these things translate already. We've seen what the competition world is doing. I mean, it goes all the way back to Hathcock. Hathcock was a comp shooter. They said, hey, we need to do a sniper program. Who better to get than a comp guy who won the Wimbledon Cup? You know, who better than somebody who's already at the top of their game in shooting? Now we just got to bring them into this discipline. And the learning curve is smaller, works faster, okay, so that's what you're doing, man. You're just trying to balance that learning curve and to say, I'm a comp guy. Now I'm going to be a field shooter, military, blah, blah, blah. But the two d- disciplines, while they're seminal, similar DNA, have two different missions, right? Military guys got to worry about getting from point A to point B, taking his shots and then getting home again. The comp guy needs to take his shots and win. He doesn't care about point A to point B. His GPS is going to get him there. He's all he's got to worry about is speed traps, you know? And that's the difference. It's the in and out versus just the score. But where's the balance, man? I think, I think we can balance this in, in, in fine. Like maybe it is a case where, hey, man, 16-ounce trigger, that's the balance. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's 12. Maybe 12 is something people can learn easy enough without tapping the trigger, without not following through, still have all the proper fundamentals, get done in a day of dry firing and practice, right? So like if you do a two-day class, if we tuned everybody's triggers to 16 or 12 ounces, can we get you up and running where you're not tapping the trigger and scared of it? Or is it like, nope, 18 is the number. 18, instead of saying three pounds is the good Gucci spot, maybe it's two pounds. Maybe it's one pound, nine ounces, or one pound, eight ounce, or I don't know. You know what I mean? It's Maybe it's, it's some kind of balance in there that's like just slightly off. Because it does, it minimizes it, man. It really does. But, it, it, yeah, I mean, you still got to do it right. I mean, to me, the consistency in my shots was the fact that I followed through. It, it, it gave me something predictable, something easy. With, with It's efficient. 
less movement, right? I'm not influencing, I'm not putting that little extra movement of the finger tap. That's movement. When you go boom, eh, boom, I'm off. Touched, I'm done. It, it's that fast. When you guys tap a trigger, it's like, oh shit. It's, it's really that quick. And so, dang, that was loud. Machine guns and Man, we got that guy. But anyway, you know what I mean? It's, it's when someone taps a trigger, it's fast. It's movement before the bullet leaves the barrel. You're beating it. Trust me, you're beating it. So the follow-through is less movement. It's more efficient. And it, it's the same thing. Think about this. It's the same thing of keeping your head on the stock, running the bolt without lifting your head. Watch some of those videos when those guys are moving. Watch their heads. Okay, they're, they're watching. They're in there. They're engaged. Okay, they put videos up all the time of them shooting stages. Phil puts videos up of him shooting stages. Watch them run the bolt. Watch them in their head. Watch the different things they're doing. And watch how efficient they are in their movement. Part of that is that trigger control. Anyway, I don't know. I just, I just thought it was pretty illuminating. It was pretty eye-opening um, with, with that. It, it, it was cool. So with the fundamental eval it, uh, that I did this training video, online training lesson, and um, I brought Jeff out locally. He was shooting a Teak Attack A1 suppressed with a Thunder Breeze suppressor. Oh, I don't remember the scope he had. Oh, primary arms. He had a primary arm, so not a big dollar unit. And I just saw, I saw he was in Colorado. I didn't know where he lived. They said, hey, where do you live? He's like, I live right here. I'm like, oh, you're super close. Will you come out to Fort Morgan on Saturday? And can I do a fundamental eval and film it for a thing and then go over the pluses and minuses? He was textbook wrong in a lot of ways, and which was perfect. Gulping air, holding his breath. But the main thing was the movement. He's, oh, every shot. Now, number one is trigger control. And this is what we're talking about. No follow through, right? The forgotten fundamental. Did he follow through? No, forgotten. Two, the trigger control. He not only put his finger in different positions almost every shot. And like I did two groups. I did one group at 100 and I did one thing at 800. Okay, his group at 100 was great. It was one whole group. He had one flyer. His first round pop was about a quarter of an inch out from the group. It was still tight. And then all the rest were in one hole. Tikas are amazingly accurate. No drama. So if you just looked at his 100-yard group, other than that one shot that was out, the rest were just one hole less than half minute. If I just showed you that and said, this is what he shot, you'd be like, great. He's a great shot. 800, not so much. He was a little wango at 800. He had a first round hit, which was an accident. Then he missed the second and third, and then he hit the fourth and the fifth. You know? And, and so that kind of tells me that it, it, was, it was sort of an accident that he hit it. And it, he was doing Everything I talk about, his bipod was low, okay? It was loose. And every time he ran the bolt, he had to fix the rifle. And you can see it because I had two cameras on him. I had a close-up and I had a farther out. And I'm alternating between the two in this training video. So you can see it was textbook 
I mean, literally textbook, all the errors that we're making. Then, you know, two notches up on your bipod, load the bipod this way, bring it into the shoulder pocket like this, bring your hand in behind like this. When you run the bolt, hold the back, watch the group he shoots or, you know, just the, and you're not seeing what he's shooting. You're watching him. Who cares what it looks like downrange? We're watching him. Watch how less fidgeting and movement he puts into that rifle system when he does it right. How could you not be more accurate when you're moving that much less? Now, when I kind of gave him the follow through on the trigger, he had a little bit of a crush. But it was his first five shots after being told, do it this way. There's a tear down and a rebuild. You got you to gotta break people down, right? 3,000 reps for a new positive neural pathway. 10,000 reps to fix a bad habit. He has a bad habit. He now needs 10,000 reps correctly to fix that. That is why the fundamentals, Okay. He got much better consistency-wise at 800 yards after that. Because this is where people, and it becomes a wind issue. Because if, if you're all over the place, fundamentally, and you accident into a good wind call, well, that's why you can't repeat it, and that's why you second-guess yourself, and that's why your wind work never worked. Because you weren't consistent downrange. He's like, yeah, I got a first-round hit. Yeah, I kind of think it was an accident. It's a good one. Don't get me wrong. I'm just being harsh because that's, I don't want to take that away from him in a way. But but he hit two and three. He missed two and three. So he didn't follow it up. Prove it. That's kind of, you know what I mean? But that's the instructor side of being harsh. That's the Taylorisms, man. Nah, dude. Yeah, you got a first round hit. But did you really? You know? And I don't know, that's, that's kind of where these fundamentals come into play. And so now, how do we apply that? How do we apply everything I'm showing Jeff in those fundamentals to someone who wants to work that comp rifle when that comp rifle is doing so much for you? I mean, there's a reason race cars are race cars, street cars are street cars, and tractor trailers are what they are, Okay. We take this all back to our vehicles. You, you, you know, if I go get the in-laws Porsche and then drive my Touareg, they're going to drive completely different even though I'm going to get from point A to point B. You know what I mean? It's a different thing. Yeah, I could do every bit of 90 in my friggin' SUV, but it's going to be different in the Porsche. Porsche. Right? So that's kind of the point. So now... Well, how can I make the SUV sporty? How do you do that? And that's where like some of those, you know, they got the, the electronic injection tuners. Plug it in, get your app. I want better gas mileage. Oh, here you go. Oh, I want higher performance. Boop, here you go. That's that balance, right? Today I want gas mileage. Boop, I'm going on a trip. Oh, tomorrow I want performance. Boom, change it with the app. You can do that with cars, right? They tune them. But then, I mean, again, go go to the NASCAR, right? The, 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 go look at a, a team with money and one without. 
well, why is the team with money always at the top? But, I mean, like, look at Matt, B, Matt Benedetto. He's always been in sort of the underfunded teams. He's sort of, you know, he's always been that guy in the back 20. Put him in the Wood Brothers, which has that alliance with Penske. Not a f- big blown team, but Penske alliance. Now he's running in the top 10. He's a good driver. His equipment was holding him back. So now when you go to equipment that doesn't hold you back, well, the driver excels a little bit more in his talent showcases. Same thing here. Okay, we want a talent, we want to showcase your talent. So where's the balance between not letting the rifle do everything and still keeping you engaged so you can move to the next level? And, and that's the number I think I got to work on. I think that's where I'm going to go. I got the, uh, this new electronic trigger press gauge and everything. I need to bust it out. I need to start playing with it. I got the trigger tech diamonds. I got all that stuff going on. I really think we can find a middle ground and then test it through you guys. I think you guys are the key to determining the weight balance with the speed balance. Where do we have to put these two things together? Okay, where do we balance how much a rifle weighs? Where do we balance the length and the contour of a barrel? And then where do we balance the trigger after that? Okay, there's three areas we got to look at. Velocity and speed and in, in, in heat mitigation with the barrel. The weight of the rifle and the balance to bring the system back into the middle. And then that trigger to keep it safe. And to keep it practical. Cool. That's what I got for today, guys. Um, I appreciate you guys listening. I saw some really great comments in the Podbean app. Thank you all for doing that. That's been uh, really fantastic that you're you're keeping up with it. So we'll continue to work with y'all on, on that. And um, head over to the forum. Like I said, I got the videos up. They're on YouTube and things like that. Go check them out. Give me your... I don't comment in YouTube because the guys are all just fucking trolls over there. I, 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 you know, they, they asked you if this like video was made for kids and it's not made for kids. So the first time I'm like, yeah, kids can watch this. I don't swear. I'm not doing anything, blah, blah, blah. But then it like turned comments off. So I'm like, oh shit. Okay. It's not for kids age restricted to 18 and then comments. But after, I mean, there are some people that guys are listening, you guys out there. There's ones on snipers hide who come in and comment on my YouTube channel but to be honest with you, I, I'm getting tired of you trolls, man. And so um, it, it's it's a case where I may start turning my comments off. Who knows? You know, just to save me the headache. I get it. If you want to ask me questions, go over to the Sniper Side forum and I'll answer them there. That way, if you're, I mean, I can, I can boot trolls on YouTube as well. I can, I, can, I can turn you into spam over there or whatever and boot you and just say, I don't want you here. So I could do it, but... It's still, it messes up the comment section. It's kind of like, and that's been like a theme lately. It's like I put out some really good content and then people just come on and start trolling and goofing. And it's like half the people love the content and the other half are just grab assing. So it's like, I don't know where to go. It's, it's, it's a new age internet thing that we have happening. But um, anyway, well, I really appreciate you guys uh, listening that. If you got anything, head it over my way. We're going to have some more interviews coming up, too. I've had a couple more requests for interviews. I'm going to make some calls. I'm trying to get Terry Cross. Go friggin'. I, I talked to Terry a little bit, 
and he was he kind of all shucked me a little bit. I don't know if he just didn't want to do it or I, I'm not sure. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to needle him one more time cuz Terry and I I mean the first match I ever shot like after getting out of the Marine Corps and all this other thing and and anything like that. It, well, it was the first tactical match. I'd shot sort of a a, a weird F classy thing in New Jersey. Um, that was on a, a pistol target, but it was billed as a tactical thing, but it was F class. But the first tactical match I shot was Badlands and Terry Cross was there and my jaw just hit the ground watching Terry shoot. And so I kind of want to go back in time to 2001 with Terry. And, and so, uh, we'll see, but if you know him kind of knock on the door a little bit and, and say, Frank, watch on the podcast, man. And, and I, I've already put the bug in his ear. So I'm going to try to get some new podcasts. We put a documentary up from David Tubb as well. David's been on the podcast a couple times. And uh, it's a good short 10-minute documentary. It's on Sniper's Hide. Everything's good to go. Um, you know, so it, it's it's definitely uh, something that uh, you guys should check out. It, it's, it's an excellent little background into his upbringing, into what he's into in the whole thing. Well made. So uh, check out the David Tubb documentary if you're so inclined. And, and then, yeah, then we'll just keep talking some of this stuff in comments. Like I said, I, I, I kind of balance, man. Balance is the word of the day. Where do we get that balance between all of it? That, that caliber, that trigger, that rifle, the whole thing. Where's that balance come into play? That's what I want to know. All right, guys, thanks a lot, and I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> I'm out of here. What, what song is that, man? By the way, post in the comments what song it is.